This week's Clockwise is brought to you by William Shatner. He defeated the Klingons, he suffered the wrath of Khan, he commanded the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. But for his next mission, Captain Kirk needs you to be a member of his crew. That's right, William Shatner has just launched his very first Kickstarter project to create a new book called Catch Me Up, and you can be a special part of this project by going to Kickstarter now and becoming a backer. Catch Me Up seeks to empower a million people to try new things, accept new challenges, and catch up with the latest technology. So go to kickstarter.com and type in Catch Me Up or visit Catch Me up.com and choose from rewards like autographed copies of the book, t-shirts, and even the opportunity to spend an evening with the captain. It's Catch Me Up, the new book by William Shatner, available only at kickstarter.com. It's time for episode 64 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 26th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast where four tech people talk turkey, or is it four turkeys talk tech? I'm your co-host, Jason Snell, and across the country from me is my co-host, Dan Morin. Happy Thanksgiving week, Dan. Gobble, gobble, Jason. Gobble, (laughs) gobble. That's all I have to say this week. Uh, We have two lovely guests, as always, uh, to my left and across not just this country, but across the pond as well. Somebody who knows the true meaning of Thanksgiving, a holiday that they don't celebrate there from Scotland. It's James Thompson. Hello. Hi, Jason. Good to have you here. Uh, I enjoy Thanksgiving because it's the one weekend of the year where my tech support load drops off dramatically. That's, that's right. The rest of the world is like, oh, thank goodness the Americans are quiet right now. Uh, James, you may know from, uh, he, he's the developer of PCalc, which is a Mac and iOS app, as well as the Mac app Drag Thing. I reviewed Drag Thing in the mid-90s. We've known each other a long time. <laughs> we have indeed. <laughs> and to my left, a man of many talents, but who you'll primarily know as the co-host of the fabulous podcast, The Rebound. <laughs> Love that it's Lex. Friedman. Hi. Welcome back, Lex. Thanks. It's great to be back here in the warm, comfy embrace of Clockwise again. Reboundcast.com. Ask for it by name. Or on your local iTunes store. Wherever podcasts are sold. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we do four topics. We limit it to about five minutes. We get done in about half an hour. I'll go first. I'm curious what your backup strategy is. Do you back up your data? How do you back up your data? And maybe, you know, do you have a story of how that's uh, saved your bacon? I want to I inspire people a little bit to, to back up their stuff. James, what's your backup strategy? Well, I've got time machine disks on every machine, uh, which does daily backups or constant backups. Uh, also, once a week, I run Retrospect, uh, which backs all the machines up to a central machine. And then I rotate backup hard drives offsite to my parents' house, which is on the other side of the city, once a week. Um, and I figure if if something is bad enough that it takes out both my flat and my parents' place in one go, uh, it's likely I have much bigger things to worry about than my backups. <laughs> Uh, I was was I supposed to have a strategy? <laughs> no, I I have a time machine backup that I use for um oh man, I'm I really have a terrible strategy. Oh, I try yeah. to basically I have enough computers now that it's like I try to make them as replaceable as possible. So I keep a lot of stuff in Dropbox, like pretty much everything that's crucial. And I try not to have anything like I keep all my music and iTunes match and I try not to download files 
like that I will need on like my MacBook or my iMac so that if something tragic were to happen, for the most part, I can swap in a new computer, log into Dropbox, log into iTunes Mat, you know, and like basically have all of my data available. And then sort of a, my Mac mini is sort of my canonical server. That's where my iPhoto library lives. And that is backed up like six ways from Sunday. I've got a super duper backup that runs every day and does a daily clone. I got crash plan on that. Um, because I think the biggest problem is not just like backing up, but it's, you know, for people who have multiple computers and you sort of, your data is all over the place. And that's like, for me, I've been trying to reduce that and trying to make it more of a situation where the important data I need is in one location rather than spread across three computers. Um, and I think the other challenge there is all these cloud services now, you know, which certainly say they're supposed to back up your stuff, things like Dropbox and iCloud. Um, but the question is then again, how much do you rely on those things? Dropbox is great because it, you know, keeps a local version on all of your computers, as well as having an online version that you can restore previous like documents from, which has been very handy um, because sometimes people delete things in shared folders and we need to undelete them. I use uh, I use Backblaze. And I use Time Machine. I have one Time Machine. Well, I have one hard drive connected to uh, my airport extreme. And I have a, a time capsule that I got used um, that works great. That's in another place in the house. Um, but I don't trust the time machine backups at all, especially because they're done over Wi-Fi, which is notoriously crappy with time machine. And uh, I don't test them and I don't trust them. And every time it says, Hey, there's been an error with it. I just reset them and start over. So I'm mostly reliant on backblaze and on uh, Dropbox again, I have uh, I don't keep everything in Dropbox, but there's enough there and stored with Backblaze that I'm not worried about destruction of the home. Well, I mean, I'm worried about destruction of my home in general, but not in terms of data loss as a as a problem that would develop from there. I'm I'm glad that you guys are all backing up. I uh, I have a uh, a time machine backup on my server. Uh, my server and all my other computers are backing up over the network using uh, I think we're using CrashPlan right now. Um, and crash plan is good backblaze is good it's but online backup i think is really important i'm actually backing up my main system uh my imac to my mac mini as well and and uh that means that it's also backing that backup file up via time machine so backups within backups and then i keep most of the stuff that i'm working on currently in uh in dropbox okay that is topic number one james what's your topic so um my thought was, given that there's a race to the bottom in pricing on the App Store, and that's been going on for a while, and there's a tendency towards people moving to subscription services rather than buying individual bits of media, so Netflix, Spotify, so on, do you think we're ever going to see a Netflix-style service for apps from Apple? And it's not a stretch to see them offering a subscription service to games, for example, like pay a certain amount of year to download a growing number of titles because Sony effectively does this with PlayStation Plus EA just introduced something with the EA, EA access on the Xbox but would this work for apps in general I think that's a tricky question I think the problem with apps is that there are so many different types and so many different use cases I wonder if a lot of people would feel like they weren't necessarily getting their money's worth or maybe it would just encourage people to download and try a lot more apps um, I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like that's not an approach that we've seen people take with apps before. 
Um, and, and I wonder if people are ready for the new, the brand new future of a subscription-based app economy. Um, and I also then wonder about, you know, how that would impact developers on the back end. Would you, like, would you guys get paid for every time somebody downloads your app, if they use your app? Like, how would that impact the way that people market their apps? Um, I feel like it's a pretty challenging sell just because it is so unlike anything that we've done in sort of that that space. Um, games seems to be, you're right, that the closest um, sort of analog there is. In my experience using um, Xbox Live, they do, you know, you have a subscription service that's like part of the whole like get yourself online, online game playing and that kind of thing. And they'll sort of promo games and give you free games every month. You get like a game or two that you can download for free. Um, but it's, I think it's harder to sell a catalog of sort of uh, here, you can download all these apps you want for this much per month. I, I feel like I have a hard time seeing that catch on, but maybe I'm wrong. Lex, prove me wrong. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting approach. And I mean, I think if if it were going to happen, Apple would have to do it, right? You'd say, Apple would say, you know what? If you pay us X dollars per, per year or per month, you have unlimited access to the App Store, all you can download. Um, and I think like, you know, Netflix doesn't today pay most of its content creators based on how much their shows are streamed. They pay a flat rate up front. And I think that if that flat rate were really handsome and lucrative, then developers would be like, sure, okay, I'll give you my unlimited access for your developers or for your customers for a year if you pay me X hundred thousand dollars. But uh, I, I think I'm leaning towards it's unlikely. I think the only way, uh, the and potentially even inevitable way the App Store survives long term is with a return to developers charging more for their apps. Um, if, you know, more and more people continue to jump into the app store right now and price their apps at a dollar or two and hope that they're going to become app store millionaires as the message trickles out there that that's not a scalable solution, that it's effectively playing the lottery or playing the slots. Uh, my hope and expectation to a degree is that it'll, uh, we'll see a, a steady march back up of quality apps that charge more for themselves up front. And that's, that's, I think more likely than the, the Netflix model. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an old school uh, buy your music uh, kind of person, and so it's very hard for me to embrace the subscription services thing. I I'd like to believe that there are people who will pay for for quality, and that that's a good market to be in. And maybe we just have a bifurcated market where there are people who are going to do freebies with ads and um, in-app purchases of virtual coins and stuff like that. And that's one market. And then there's going to be another market that is the people who will pay for quality and and um, and hopefully they can discover the quality and and have that be tenable in some way. But I'm skeptical because I'm skeptical of all subscription services. What do you think, James? Are you the next Taylor Swift? Uh, no, I was. Uh, this was indeed a trick question because I think it would be an absolutely <laughs> terrible idea. Um, and uh, I was just trying to think of how we can sort of move back towards the you know people paying for quality software. Uh, and I'd like to believe that that's not an impossible goal. Uh, uh, but it, I was just, I was reading, you know, there was the coverage of the Monument Valley when they got all their one-star reviews uh, for charging for extra content. 
and and looking at the the value that people place on software, movies, music, comics, writing, and all of these things, which seems to be going downwards. Uh, but yeah, I I hope that people will continue to to pay for quality software. Well, okay, we're at halftime now. We're halfway through this show. Two topics down, two more to go. And our halftime sponsor this week is. Dash. Dash is a super cool website that lets you quickly create real-time custom dashboards. These dashboards allow you to get a visual overview of important data from your website, business, or even your life. It pulls in data from all sorts of different sources, including services like App Figures, Google Analytics, GitHub, Twitter, Chartbeat, and many more. And if you want to get super geeky, you can display your own custom data in Dash via their API. You can share data from Dropbox or the web and create custom widgets like line charts, but tables, or everything you want using iframes. You can just do it yourself. Um, I've been using uh, Dash a little bit to check on my new website. I have a website, Six Colors. We used to have a whole chart infrastructure that we set up at IDG. And now that I'm out on my own, I am using Google Analytics and I can uh, tie that in with Dash and get a quick glance about how Six Colors is doing day to day. Now, the pricing model is a lot like GitHub. Everyone gets unlimited public dashboards so that you can share live data with the community. And if you upgrade to the Pro Edition for $10 a month, you get unlimited private dashboards. But if you go to thedash.com today, you will get one private dashboard in addition to your free accounts, unlimited public dashboards. So you can try it out and you can even try one out in private. Um, no credit card required. You'll keep your private dashboard forever. It's a really cool offer. So you should definitely check it out. Go to thedash.com. Don't go to dash.com or you will learn about, um, I, I believe it's detergent. Don't go there. Go to thedash.com. And thank you so much to Dash for supporting Clockwise and Relay FM. Halftime is over. Dan Morin, what's your topic? So there's been a lot of virtual ink spilled in the last day or two that I've noticed about whether the tablet is seeing a premature death. Um, of course, we've heard, you know, talk for a month or two or actually longer than that, a few months now about flagging sales uh, for the iPad, for example, and people sort of trying to pin down exactly what's causing that that slump. Um, and so I think there were some numbers that came out from IDC uh, earlier this week that said that global tablet shipments had declined or at least had slowed in growth. Um, and so a lot of people are sort of going and saying, ah, oh, the tablet, it was a failure. It's dead. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, and so I was kind of curious to hear if you guys thought that was the case or whether this is all sort of overblown. Uh, it seems like the tablet sales growth being uh, incredible and astonishing that maybe those days are over. But I don't think that the tablet market is doomed and I certainly don't think the tablets are a failure. I use my iPad mini every day. And so that's enough reason right there. If I use my iPad, then it, the tablet industry is fine. But I think that the reality is you know, they had to go from nobody had any tablets to all the people who wanted tablets got them or many of the people did. And it's kind of like computers. I think that when uh, computers first got popular, my guess is that the growth was better than it is today when most of the computer market seems to be shrinking and Apple seems to be weathering that storm okay with Macs. So I think that, you know, people aren't replacing their iPads as or other tablets if such things exist as often as they uh, replace their smartphones. Um, and I think that's reasonable because they're a lot more expensive and they're not subsidized subsidized. Um, so I, I think it's, it's following the exact pattern that would make sense if one gave any reasoned analytical thought to the situation. So I think the tablets are going to do just fine. Don't cry for tablets, Dan. 
Um, I think I, I agree. I think there was a, we, a rushed judgment saying that tablets are going to replace PCs and PCs were going to disappear entirely or almost entirely. And I think that there may be a lot of truth to that, but I think it's going to happen a lot slower than people expected. They saw that initial rush, which to Lex's point was really the rush to people who wanted these tablets uh, going from no tablets in the world to lots of people having tablets in the world and thought that was a growth path like it was with smartphones. And it's not. It, it turns out not to be the case. But I do think the tablet market is going to continue to grow. I think people use their tablets longer. They're not subsidized like a smartphone. So after two years, you can't just go buy another one for $199. They cost more. And so I think they last longer. Uh, but I do think that it, they are going to gradually erode people's desire to upgrade their PCs or to buy a new PC. And then over time, um, they, as they uh, tablets increase their functionality, that um, they're going to be just that much better at replacing a lot of things that people use a PC for. Um, now, there's an argument that says that big smartphones are the thing and every other computing device is going to fall by the wayside. I don't think that's true either. I think people are still going to need PCs. They're still going to need tablets. They're still going to need smartphones depending on what they want to do. I think everybody's going to have a smartphone, but I do think that tablets is going to be um, an important market. It's just not going to be the same as uh, the smartphone market. This is the same story we said about uh, the, the Apple Watch. Like, don't expect it to be the size of the, of the iPhone. The iPhone and the smartphone market is unique. There's not going to be another category like that for a long time. But I do think tablets are, are, are going to keep growing. It's just not that, that initial burst that, we, that people got ahead of themselves and were really excited about. Well, uh, I'm going to have to take the opposite position because I haven't been using my iPad as much as I have previously, so it's clearly doomed. Um, <laughs> All right, take that, Lex. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think the thing about... I do have some anecdotal evidence because I got an iPhone 6 and I have started to use it slightly more for things that I would have used the iPad for. But, you know, as a developer, I have, like, one of everything. And... Uh, I just find that the the iPad for me kind of falls in the middle between my MacBook Air, which I use typically for sort of email and web browsing, and I use my iPhone 6 for everything else. And I like the iPad for, you know, reading comics, music, apps, games and stuff. But to me, it's kind of uh, fallen out of favor. And I still have uh, an iPad 3. I haven't yet upgraded to uh, any of the recent ones uh, but I do think one reason that sales might not be as high is like whenever I get a new iPad the old iPads uh, get distributed amongst family members and you know everybody gets an upgrade when I get an upgrade if you see what I mean uh, so yeah I think we, we might be heading towards saturation point and that's why the the, the sales figures seem to be decreasing yeah I, I kind of agree with Jason's assessment that you know, the people, especially in our industry, like punditry and thing like that, people tend to try and apply the patterns that have previously come before to everything that comes after. And because the tablet has not fallen into the same exact pattern as the smartwatch, you know, people kind of assume it's doomed to failure. I don't think that's true. I think there's a different use case. I think as, as several of you said, people don't replace their tablets as often. Um, it's still a very new product and we haven't seen what the cycle on that looks like. Um, it's also possible that there was sort of, you know, a lot of people were really interested and really excited and there was a huge influx at the beginning and that may have tapered off as we've hit saturation or if we hit people who aren't upgrading yet. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar curve with the with the Apple Watch when it comes out. I think there are a lot of people sort of, you know, people both who are early adopters and people who think, oh, that's really cool. I want to try out this thing. 
um, who might invest in it early on, and then it may sort of taper off as people decide they don't want to replace their expensive watch every year, um, or as people, everyone who gets who actually wants one gets one. So I, I don't think the tablet is doomed by any means. Um, certainly, looking at a lot of the places where those th- where they're used, schools, enterprise, I feel like I see tablets in more places than ever right now. Um, so I don't think that there's a likelihood that we're going to see the bottom entirely fall out of the tablet market, but I do think that it's, it's uh, on a different curve from the smartphone and other things we've seen. So yeah, I agree with Lex. Don't cry for tablet Gentina yet. Nice. So is it my turn now? It, I believe it is. Yes. Excellent. Well, so, uh, my question for the panel is, uh, what do you think about electric cars? Would you buy an electric car? And why or why not? And uh, I'll, I'll defer and answer last. All right, you'll take your question off the air. Yeah. Um, all right, thank you, caller. I I uh, I would buy an electric car. I don't currently have a commute, which makes it interesting. We have a we have a minivan and we have a a compact car. Um, so having having one car be uh, the the kind of big car that can go anywhere, and then having another one be a a smaller electric car, I would totally do that. I think that would be. Um, uh, they're around, and uh, I, I would be interested in that. We did just get, when we replaced our 20-year-old uh, Honda Civic, we actually got from a, a family member a, uh, a 10-year-old uh, Honda Civic Hybrid. And I'm enjoying driving the hybrid. It gets great gas mileage. Um, and, and so it, it's already kind of cool and exciting that I've got that. But I would totally buy an electric car. Um, I think that, I don't know, I'm a tech person. I think having, I think this is the future technology of cars. And so it's cool to have it today. I think that about the hybrid even. So um, yeah, I would get it for that. And 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 like I said, if somebody wanted to uh, give me a Tesla, uh, I, I would I would take it because that's a cool car and, and it's got lots of neat tech on the inside, not just that it's electric, but that it's got lots of other neat tech. So yeah, I'm a uh, I'm up on uh, electric cars. I say thumbs up. Well, um, I'm definitely uh, the right market for an electric car in that uh, don't tend to drive long distances um, to drop off my backups to my parents, uh, yeah. mainly. Uh, and so from that sense, yes. But uh, the main problem I have is that where my car is parked is about 100 yards away from uh, the building that I'm in. And there's absolutely no way to get power Uh out to there. So while I could have one, I could only drive it once. (laughs) (laughs) It's a single use. (laughs) Disposable electric cars. Yeah. Then you get another one delivered the next Mm. week, I guess. (laughs) That that is a dilemma. I bought a, a new car, gasoline powered, uh, a couple years ago, and so. But it occurred to me not long ago, as I was driving that around, that if I get as much use out of this car as I did out of my previous car, which lasted me something like uh, twelve or thirteen years, that my next car would probably be electric. Is my is my thinking? Um, just because I agree with Jason, that seems to be like where the future is headed, and and uh, why would I invest again in, in you know in another gasoline car ten years from now when hopefully the infrastructure has been really built out and the electric car technology has improved so much that it isn't a matter of having to feel like you have to make sacrifices because I do make long trips from time to time. I drive to see some of my family, which is like a six hour drive away, and that's a little bit outside the range of most of those electric cars that we're seeing these days. I've been trying to convince my dad to buy a Tesla because he's in the market for a new car and I think he'd really enjoy it, but he is kind of a cranky old man and doesn't really believe in electric cars. Um, 
So I, I think that there's a lot of promise there, and I think it's it, it makes sense to me when everything else that we have runs on electricity. It's just from sort of from like a tech standpoint, it's so odd to have you know in some ways this one device that runs on a completely different type of power from everything else that we have. Um, so abstracting that down to like everything runs off electricity now, if we can provide electricity from clean sources, then we don't need to worry as much about producing all these other unfortunate effects of things like gasoline. So I'm all in favor of it. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing the improvements that come along in that market in the next decade or so. All right, Lex, tell us your answer. I bought one yesterday, so I'm in favor. (laughs) Um, I have, what? uh, I got a Nissan Leaf and uh it's, it's just like a tesla lex just totally just like a tesla well it was it was about half the price of the base model tesla mm-hmm. so i was okay with that um and no sales tax in the state of new jersey if you buy an electric car i don't know what the rules are in other states but it's so far it's awesome i mean i've had it for now almost 20 hours so i feel like i'm prepared to review it at this mm-hmm. point but uh i will tell you the one big downside obviously is range and like the rest of you i work from home i sold my two 2006 Accord, which had all of 36,000 miles on it. Um, You're a heavy driver. <laughs> I, I bought it new in 06. So like the, the furthest I typically drive is uh, the airport. And A, it's, it's you know, the the uh, this is true for many electric cars. It actually gets better range during city driving than it does on highway driving. Because when you're doing city driving, it can do a lot more regenerative braking than it can do when you're highway driving. So the city range is 120 or so miles, 115, and the highway range is around 80 something. Um, But so it's more than enough to go to the airport and back. Although I think, you know, my first time coming back from the airport when I'm 10 minutes away, I'll start to get really nervous as the battery trickles down into 10% left. But the... uh, when I sold my Accord yesterday to a person who lives about uh, 45 miles away, he picked it up here. I did not take out my automatic, you know, the doohickey that plugs into the car's data port. I uh, can't use it with an electric car anyway, but I figured I could give it to my wife to use in her gas guzzling odyssey. Uh, and the guy was like, oh, sure, you can come pick it up anytime. And I was thinking, I can't <laughs> if I take my car. <laughs> Um, so instead I had him mail it to me and I gave him, I gave him double the shipping cost for his pain and suffering, but, uh, and hopefully he's going to send it cause I already sent him the money. But, um, yeah, I can't, I, I could probably, I could possibly eke it out the drive to this town in New Jersey. I had never heard of, but 90 miles seems a little bit, uh, intense from one of my first, mm-hmm. <laughs> my first drives in the leaf. So I didn't do it, but overall I'm very happy, uh, really good touchscreen and really good, uh, iOS compatibility. So I've been pleased with that. Not CarPlay level, but really good nonetheless. All right. Well, congratulations, Lex, on your purchase. Thanks. So it's uh, that's the last topic. It's time for a bonus topic. Our bonus question is simple. It's Thanksgiving week everywhere that's the United States and nowhere else. So I wanted to ask you all, what's a single technology product that you're thankful for? James? Well, uh, working on the assumption that I can't say the PlayStation 4, as that's going to entertain me in an entirely antisocial fashion over the, the, the weekend. Um I think I'm going to have to go for, I have this uh, PowerGen mobile power pack, which is just one of these giant batteries with lots of USB ports on it. And I find that invaluable for any time I'm away at a conference or uh, going on holiday or something. And it just lets me, it will charge my phone up about six times and it will charge an iPad a couple of times. Uh, But I can just plug everything into it at night and have one charger charging that, which is then charging all the devices. Uh, and 
I sort of walk around at conferences with various leads sticking out of my pockets, offering to charge yes. people's phones randomly. <laughs> you, you, did, you did charge my phone at, at the old conference, yes? I did indeed. You're like a, you're like a 21st century hobo. <laughs> yes. Dan, what are you thankful for? Uh, oh, there are so many options, but I think I will go with, um, in a rather boring option, my 55-inch uh, LCD television just because it hooks up to everything that I have in my living room and it means I can binge watch television I can play Destiny on my Xbox um, I can do all sorts of good stuff I can even use it occasionally um, to listen to the radio weirdly enough <laughs> so it pretty much handles everything that I need to do and that's maybe a little bit sad but it can even bring up I don't have a fireplace so I can use it to display one of those lovely fake fireplaces over the holidays and stay warm i'm also going to take the tv choice but not my actual television but rather the tivo which is not new technology by any stretch but you know like many of you i'm a i'm a tv junkie and the shows that i watch i watch every episode and i don't want to miss anything and i still vividly remember while shuddering the vcr dance that i used to do when all the different labeled vhs tapes and scheduling the vcr and having it screw up constantly and recording over things and the tivo takes all the stress from television away from me and i am grateful every day when i sit down and watch it with my slack jawed face uh that's a great one i'm gonna say um because I'm staring right at it right now. I'm going to say the Retina iMac because it is beautiful and I love it and I haven't had a computer that was this awesome and fast in a very long time and uh, I enjoy looking at it every single day and I'm glad that I bought it with the help of our former employer, (laughs) Dan. So there you go. That's, That's a good choice. Not bad. Based on your review, I just bought exactly the same spec one as yours this morning. So. Well, I apologize for that. <laughs> that's okay. That comes from my former employer, kind of. Sort of. Well, that's it. We are done with Clockwise. James Thompson, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you very much, and Merry Christmas. Uh, and Happy Thanksgiving to you and all of Scotland. Lex Friedman, I guess it was okay that you were here. Hey, thank you, and I still enjoy that you opened the show, Dan, by saying, and I quote, gobble gobble (laughs) those are words to live by and to everybody out there until we see you after the holiday next week watch what you say and keep watching the clock because otherwise you'll overcook your turkey gobble gobble bye bye